All right. Father, we bless you. We love you, Lord. We want to just thank you for this day and for this opportunity to just stand in the holy place, Lord, and to share your word. And so we ask your, your anointing to be here right now, God. We ask for your Holy Spirit to just fall in this place, Lord. That uh, God, that uh, where our hearts may have been distant from you, where our hearts have grown hard, your word speaks about plowing up the fallow ground, the hard ground, the ground that can't receive the seed because it's not ready. And we just say, Holy Spirit, plow up fallow ground in this place this morning. And start with me, Lord God. Start in my heart, in my life, Lord God. Make my heart ready and, and ripe to receive the word of God, the living word of God. And Father, that we would not only just be hearers of the word and go out and talk about what a great message we heard today and how inspiring it was, God, but we would go out changed people, embracing your word, bringing it into our lives, Lord God, that your word would absolutely just change us for your glory. We ask this in your name, and God's people said, amen. Amen and amen. All right, so um, we're, if uh, you've got your Bibles or your uh, tablets or your phones and you want to follow along, or you can just watch the overhead, we're in 2 Kings chapter 5. Like I said, I'm just going to read through this. I'm going to go through this kind of quickly. I want to give you an Old Testament example of um, a baptism and an Old Testament, uh, Old Testament example of faith and obedience. Faith, I, I tell you what, it starts out with faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. But if we just hear the Word of God and we don't respond or act to the Word of God, you know, we'll find out later on that James says that that does nothing for you. It's those that hear the Word of God and respond to the Word of God. So we begin in Second uh, Samuel, or Second Kings chapter 5. The story is very familiar to some of you. Um, it's a story about, it was a time in Israel's history where, um, you know, they had this up and down, just like you and I do. You know, we have these ups and downs in our lives where everything is great. We're on the mountaintop. God is great. Life is good. You know, kids are good. Wife is good. Husband's good. Everything is, is well. It is well with our soul. And all of a sudden, we hit the wall and we plummet. And, um, and when we plummet, in, in the case of Israel, when they turned away from God, God opened the door. It was like God says that as long as you love me, as long as you're faithful to me, as long as you're obedient to me, my hand of protection will be around you. Just like he said about Job. He said, you know, Job, uh, you know, he's, um, Satan said to God about Job, he said, man, I'm I've been trying to get to this guy all day long. You know, he said, you have a wall around him, around his house, around his family, around his children, and I'm trying to get to him and you won't let me. You know what, that God has a wall around us as well? He has a wall around you. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to let you try, Job, because I promise you that no matter what you bring against this man, he will honor me and love me and serve me. And so Satan brought it on. He brought everything that he had. I mean, you know, he attacked Job's uh, flocks, his camel, his sheep, his goats, his money, his finances, uh, his children. Uh, everything he had was just like wiped out in a, in a moment. It was just like one phone call after another. Bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. And it says in all of this that Job didn't curse God, that he blessed the Lord. He says, naked I came out of this, you know, came into this world, and naked I will leave this world. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Amen? Amen. That's the attitude that we've got to have. And so, 
at this time in Israel's history, they had fallen away from God. And when you fall away from God, the Bible says that you allow. It's not God sending them, but you allow the enemies to come in. And so uh, Israel was at war with everybody, including the Syrians. Remember, Syria is just kind of north of Israel. It's where Paul was going to get, um, Saul was going before he was Paul, to get more authority to bring persecution against the church. And so we're talking about a commander that was uh, of the Syrian army. Uh, my scripture or my translation uses Aram, but it, yours might use Syria. It's just north of Israel. And we begin. Now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram, and he was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram or to Syria. He was a valiant soldier, but one problem in his life. He had leprosy. And the Bible kind of compares leprosy like sin. You know, it's like, it's like the sin that we deal with. It's like we're plagued with this stuff. And, uh, you know, um, in the old days during, at least for the Jews, if you were a leper, you had to wave a white flag. You had to notify people that you were a leper so they could stay away from you. They didn't want to get, you know, contaminated by your disease. You were separated from family. You were separated from church, separated from everybody. You were just out on your own. You were an outcast. And it says that, that Naaman was a leper. Um, it says, now, a band of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. It's still happening today. I mean, just read the, you know, just listening to the evening news about those young women, Christians in particular today, that are, you know, it's like they're killing the men and taking the women as slaves. And uh, it says they had gone in, had raided Israel, and had taken a captive young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She was like a, like a slave to, to Naaman and to his wife. And she said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Now, I'm going to just stop right there because if this was an, you know, an everyday occurrence in Israel where lepers were getting cleansed, um, you know, it, it wouldn't be a big thing. And so we have to almost go to the, we got to go to the New Testament in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus is giving his first message. And in his first message, he's talking to people that have a hard heart and that they're, they're a disobedient people and they're not really listening to his message. And he says, I want to tell you that there were a lot of lepers in the days of Elisha the prophet. There are a lot of lepers in Israel in the days of Elisha the prophet. But not one of them was healed. Not one of them was healed except Naaman the Syrian. So, where's this girl get this thought that if Naaman would go to, to Israel, that Elijah the prophet would heal him of his leprosy. It's like, where does that come from? Where'd she come up with this idea? I believe that God spoke to her. It's the word of God, just like we're receiving today, the word of God. And something welled up inside of her Something resonated with inside of her and said, you know what? If this guy can get to the man of God, to the prophet of God, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I've got faith. 
I got faith that if, if this man, this man with leprosy would get in front of this prophet, I believe that his leprosy would be gone, that he'd be cured. Let's go on. She had faith. She, went, she had faith. She said he would cure him. Talking about Elisha would cure Naaman of his leprosy. Well, I mean, man, this is like, you know, big, this is big news. And Naaman went to his master, the king, and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver. Listen, I, I'm telling you, when you add this up, it's a lot of money. Ten thousand uh, talents of uh, silver, or ten talents of silver, uh, six thousand shekels of gold, ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you that you may cure him of his leprosy. And as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, you can tell what a great man of God he was, he tore his robe and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a fight or a quarrel with me? And when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robe, he sent him a message or sent him this message. Why have you torn your robe? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. And so Naaman went to his, uh, with his horses and his chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Now, I want you, you got to hear this, guys, because, man, we've got a little transition going on. Here's a guy starting out in great faith. He's starting out in great faith that God is about to do something in my life. He's going to cure me of my leprosy. But Naaman goes to Elisha's house and notices that Elisha doesn't even come out of the, he doesn't even come outside. He sends a servant out there and tells the servant, tell the guy to go dip down, uh, go down to the Jordan, dip seven times, and he'll be healed. And Naaman was angry and said, I thought, you've been there too. I thought God would do it a different way. I thought, wait a second. Is this, God, is this really God? Is this how God's going to do it? Is this how God's going to bless me? I mean, God, God, are you really telling me to give my last $20 away? You know what my bills are? You know that I need a transmission for my truck, a clutch for my truck? You know how hard I drive my truck? God, I thought you would do something different. I thought you would do it differently. I mean, you know, it's like, I thought surely you would come out and, and call on the name of the Lord and that you would do it my way and that you would wave your hand or, or you know, I heard about Elijah, the other guy that was before you that called fire out of the sky. I thought maybe you'd do some fire out of the sky kind of stuff. Or I heard, I heard about, you know, an axe floating in the water. I thought you might do something like that. You know, it's like go down and dip myself in the, in the Jordan seven times. And then he begins to, you know, say that are not Abana and the Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. Couldn't I at least wash in them and be clean? We even have better water up in Damascus than you have here. So he turned off and went off in a rage, upset with the way that God wanted him to do it. Now, this is the word of God. And many times, guys, I want you to know that we do the same thing when we're saying, when we're talking about the Word of God. It's like, God, are you, are you really saying this about marriage and, you know, 
and, and the way my sexual life is, is that really any of your business? Is the way you know, that I live my life? Or am I being honest in my business? Is that any of your business? You know, just I, this is the way I think that I should do it. I know you got your way, and I've got my way. But I want to tell you that the Bible says that the word of God, it says that heaven and earth will pass away. Listen to this and think about it. And when he's talking about the heavens, he's talking about the entire universe. Not just, you know, the heaven, the sun, and the earth. He's saying the heavens. Everything that, everything that you look up to at night, on a bright, starry night, God's saying every one of those things will disappear. But my word will endure forever, forever, forever. And so this is, Naaman, or uh, Elijah, is speaking the word of God. And the word of God is, go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. And so he turned and went off in a rage. And finally, his servant, it reminds me of the story that we talked about uh, with David and Abigail, how Abigail came to David and said, wait a second, don't do this, don't do this. You know, you've got, your heart is bent on something that's wrong, and, you know, you don't want to be held accountable before God and man before this. Don't go in you know, with murder in your heart and anger in your heart. And, you know, she turned the heart of David. And Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? I mean, if he said build a monument, build a pyramid, you know, you know right, right on the bottom of it, Elijah healed Naaman right here. You know, do something great. Do some work. You know, this is, this is such a picture of salvation. Because God's saying, I'll give you salvation. All you have to do is, the Bible says, if, they, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from, your de from the dead, that you'll be saved. And, and we walk away saying, God, that's too easy. I, let me do something. I got to work. I want to work my way into heaven. I, you know, it's just, I need, it, it's just, just, that's just too simple. You know, to go down and dip seven times in the, in the Jordan is too simple. It's like salvation. You know, really, God, all I have to do to get to heaven is confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in my heart that you've raised him from the dead and I'll be saved. Really, God, really? Is that what you're saying? Is that what he's saying? Is that what he's saying? Or let me just ask you all at one time. Is that what he's saying? That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That's what God's saying. That if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. You've heard that story and you've seen the movie and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. And so they talk him into it. He says, how much more then when he tells you to wash and be clean? And so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. And as the, as the man of God told him, and his flesh, listen to this, his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. And then Naaman and his attendants went back. And I imagine he's going back with hat in hand, kind of a humbled heart. You know, uh, Elijah, Elisha, you were right. <laughs> you know, really? Seven times? I went down seven times and look, man, look at, look, look at my skin. No spots. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. Can you imagine his heart? I mean, it was a, leprosy was a death sentence. Can you imagine his heart? What's going on in his heart? I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking the guy, he didn't even ride his heart, horse back. I think he did cartwheels all the way back to the man of God's house. It's like, man, I am pumped. Look what you've done. Look what God has done. 
And he says, listen to this, Naaman and his attendants went back to the man of God and he stood before him and listened to what he says, and I love this. He says, now I know, I know. I've heard about it. I've heard about it before. I've heard about you. Heard about you parting the Red Sea. Heard about all the, 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 the nations that you destroyed before Israel came in and took the promised land. I heard about all of that, but now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Man, that just makes you just want to shout and praise God, doesn't it? Man, I'm telling you. Yeah, it's like, man, I, now seeing is believing. He's like doubting Thomas. It's like, man, I know, I know, I know, I know now. I know it. All right, I'm getting excited about this, guys. So, um, so anyway, he says, please accept a gift from your servant. And, and it says, and the prophet answered, just like all the TV evangelists, yeah, I'll pass the hat. I'm sorry. <laughs> he says, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. See, salvation is free. And I'm not selling hankies today or kerchiefs, or any of this other stuff. I'm not selling that. I'm not selling $1,000 healings. You know, salvation is a free gift of God. It's free. It's free. It's free. And even though Naaman urged him, come on, come on, just take a little. Look how much I brought. I mean, we had to have mules and a caravan to carry all this gold and silver. And won't you just take a little? And then he says, if you were not, said Naaman, please let your servant be given. Now listen to this. Please let your servant be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again, never ever again, make burn offerings and sacrifices to any other god but to the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters into the temple of Ramon, to bow down, and he's leaning on my arm, and that was part of his responsibility. He says, when I have to go into this godless temple, this idol temple with, my, with, the, with the king, and he wants me to go in there with him, and I've got to hold him steady. He said, please forgive me. Please forgive me for doing that, because I know that he is serving a false god. I know that he is serving an idol. He says, please forgive me when I, when I, when I go in there. And I believe he was taking the, the dirt to place in the temple so that when he stood, that he was standing on Israel's turf. And I love what Elisha says to him. No guilt, no condemnation, just says, go in peace, go in peace. Man, can you imagine what that not only did to Israel, but what it did to Syria? I mean, it's like it hadn't been heard in the entire world. And everybody knows that Naaman is a leper. And he comes back and, Naaman, what happened? What happened? Well, let me tell you, the God of Israel, not the God of Syria, not all of these gods of Syria. It was the God of Israel, this, this prophet of Israel, Elisha, the prophet of Israel. You ever heard of him? You ever heard of the prophet Elisha of Israel? He called in the name of the Lord his God and told me to go down to dip in the Jordan seven times, and I'm healed because of the God of Israel. Amen. Amen. I mean, I, look, this story is about 3,000 years old. It's worth praise today, isn't it? Amen. Bless the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. All right, let me crank it up a little bit. Um, so... 
we get to the New Testament, and we've been talking about being obedient to God, you know, not just reading the Word of God, not just listening to the Word of God, but hearing the Word of God and responding to the Word of God. And so we fast forward, you know, a thousand years or so, and uh, we get to the day of Pentecost, and Peter's out, and he, and he was confronting the people that had just uh, crucified and killed. They uh, put to death Jesus, buried him, put him in the tomb. Three days later, he raises, he's raised from the, from the grave. And uh, Peter is talking to these men and women that were part of that. And it says that when Peter shared that message with them, that they were cut to the heart. That's called conviction. And it's like when we sin against God. You know, that we know that we have gone our way and just said, God, I'm going to put you on the back burner. But repentance is, God, I've been wrong. I've been wrong with the way that I've been thinking. I've been wrong with the way that I've been living. And so Peter says, they, they, they cried out, men and brothers, what do we do? I mean, this is, this is the hope of Israel. That we've been waiting for the Messiah for several thousands of years. And now, Peter, you're telling us that we've just put him to death, that we've just nailed him to the cross, that we, you know, our, our leaders and, and, and we the people have done all of this to the Messiah. We've done all this. We've crucified the Messiah. You know, what are we going to do now? All of our hope is gone. And Peter said to them, repent. You know, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children. Okay? And so we've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. And so some of you, and quite a few of you as a matter of fact, have, have sensed that conviction in your heart that you don't want to live like the way that you've been living. You know, you, you, you thought that all, all of your life you thought you could fix your problem. But let me tell you, you can't fix your problem because if you could have, you would have. And you can't. And you won't. Only God can fix your problem because he's bigger than your problem. He's bigger than the leprosy that you face, which may be sin. He's bigger than the giant that David faced. He's bigger than the armies that Jehoshaphat faced and Gideon faced. He's bigger than Egypt and Pharaoh and his army and bigger than the Red Sea. And he can part the waters for you that you can go across on dry land. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to do that in your life today. And he doesn't want to leave you stuck. I mean, he is a God where he doesn't change. He will bring change. Amen? Okay. So Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Remember, that's what Jesus told the disciples to do. Go to Jerusalem and wait for power on high. Wait for the power. Wait for the promise of the Father. So a couple of other scriptures, and I just want to, you know, I, I want you to make this connection of faith. You hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So, you know, you, you, the word of God comes first, and, and you hear, you hear. And then all of a sudden, you hear this word, and it starts to resonate, and it starts to build up, and it's like, yes, I can do it. Yes, I can do it. And I want to just read a couple of examples of that for, uh, for you before we start baptizing. Um, and um, in James chapter 2, James is talking, and he says, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did. He offered his son Isaac on the altar. So, so God spoke to him, and God said, Abraham, 
I, here comes the word of God. I want you to take your son, your only son, your son Isaac, and take him up to Mount Moriah, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. And without question, you know, I mean, I know that you and I would. I was just like, God, are you sure? Are you sure about this? I mean, you made me a promise. You were going to give me a son. And you said that I had to have more children than the sand of the sea, more children than the stars in the heaven. You made a promise to me, God. I mean, if we kill him, if I kill him on Mount Moriah, how's that promise going to be fulfilled? Without question, it says that, that Abraham, he says he did what God asked him to do. It says that he went up to the mountain. And, you know, he was ready. I mean, you talk about, you know, the God of 11.59 minutes and 59 seconds. He had the knife drawn. Isaac is bound, and he's ready to strike him. And an angel of the Lord says, whoa, stop, 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 Abraham. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God was testing your heart. And it says that you see that his faith and his actions were working together. Faith and actions, faith and actions. God told him to do something, no question about it. Paul on the road to Damascus, Lord, who are you? Jesus of Nazareth, what do you want me to do? Second question, whatever you want me to do, God, just say it. Just say it, just say the word, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And God said, totally, and Paul, he says, I want you to go into the city, and a man will come to you. And Paul is just like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm headed to the city right now, I'm going. I'm going to do what you're telling me to do. I'm going to, I'm going to be obedient, faith and obedience. And then it says that God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes, this water, this flood of the world symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removing of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God said to get baptized. We don't question it. It's like, why? Why should I get wet? I mean, can't you just, you know, you've seen the bumper sticker. I've told you about it. You know, born right the first time. You know, well, you weren't. I, I'd be the first one to tell you, but you weren't born right the first time. That's why we need to be born again. And we need to do the things that the Word of God tells us to do. And so... And then we read in Matthew chapter 28, the 11 disciples went to Galilee. This still kind of stumps me as I read through this. This is after the resurrection to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some, but some doubted. I mean, how can you doubt? He's right there in front of you. Flesh, a flesh and bone, he's right there. It's Jesus speaking to you. You've lived with him for three and a half years. You know what he looks like. You know what he talks like. And yet some doubted. I don't want to be too hard on them because, guys, we go through the same thing. God, are you really going to come through? Are you going to come through on this marriage? I've been praying, Lord. I've been praying hard. Are you going to come through on this business deal? Are you going to come through on my finances? Lord, look at my kids. You know, I've been praying for them. I prayed for these kids for four or five years. And, and look where they're going right now. I'm still praying for them. God, are you even hearing my prayers? Are you going to come through, Father? See, we all go through that. It says that some doubted, and then Jesus came to them. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And in essence, he's saying, and now I'm giving it to you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, listen to this, 
Don't just tell them about it. Teaching them to obey. Hear the word and be obedient to the word. Be, to obey everything that I've commanded you. And then the Bible says, Jesus says, he's talking to, to his disciples and he's you know, telling them all these things. He says, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Now, when we read the faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, Noah being warned by God. He got the word of God. Noah got the word of God. Noah being warned of God of things not seen as of yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house uh, by the which he condemned the world and became heirs of righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, by faith. See, by faith he got the word of God. Noah got the word of God by faith. He received it by faith. And the word of God said, Noah, I mean, this may sound crazy to you. There's no seas, there's no oceans, there's no big lakes, but I want you to build a boat about one and a half football fields long. You know what Noah said? What's a football field? No, I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> but, but he builds this thing. I mean, think about it. You know, uh, like 300 yards and then another 150 yards, 450 yards long. He builds this he builds this boat, and it's just like, can you imagine what was going through his mind? It's like, man, this is a big boat for, you know, just me and my family, and, you know, and then how are we going to get it to the water? You know, I'm sure that they had all kind of questions, uh, you know, it's like the, the, the why questions. And then it says that Abraham, by faith, Abraham, when he was called out, this is when he was in the land of Ur, he says he was called out to go into a place uh, where he should receive an inheritance. He obeyed, and he went out not knowing where he was going. And see, guys, this is really what faith is. You just boil it down, it comes down to this. God tells you to do something, and no questions asked. You just do it. I mean, whether it's tithing or whether it's, you know, helping others or serving. Some of you may think that, oh, you know, I feel God kind of tugging on my heart to serve a little bit. I don't know quite where I fit, you know, just what do I do? What do I do? And you just keep asking the Lord, what is it you want me to do? And the Lord will show you. All right, so I want to, I'm going to, I, I, I'm just going to stop right there. I think I've said enough. Um, I just want to go back to Peter's statement. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Every, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children.